Welcome to Get Over It, the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for exceptional 21st century living. Folks, we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking about hermetic philosophy, and we're going to be speaking with Marlena Seven-Bremner and talking about her new book, Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy. Folks, this is a, a subject that I am not that versed on, so she's going to be educating me as she is educating you, and there's truly a lot to learn. So if you're a Golden Dawn fan or anything in that area, this is the show for you. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you let go of the BS that's been holding you back. But you know, I always ask that question, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me for my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I am the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, nesmoniquechapman.com, and I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on LinkedIn. And folks, I am no longer on Twitter, so do find one of the other options. My um, guest today, Marlena Seven-Brimner, is a self-taught oil painter, writer, and teacher who has spent more than 20 years exploring esoteric and spiritual traditions, including hermeticism, alchemy, surrealism, symbolism, tarot, psychology, magic, astrology, shamanism, and mythology. She developed her career as an artist in the Pacific Northwest, and now she spends her time painting and writing in the New Mexico desert. And you can check her out at her website, and that's Marlena Brimner. No, it's not. Um, it's Marlena7Brimner.com and it's M-A-R-L-E-N-E-S-E-V-E-N-B-R-E-M-N-E-R.com. Welcome, Seven. Thank you, Monique. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lovely oh, introduction. Thank you. It's so great to to have you on. As I said, you know, to you before we even started the show, this is a subject that I, you know, don't have a lot of knowledge about, but I am so curious about and truly, truly, truly want to learn. So um, I want to first start off with your name. Okay, your name is Marlena Seven Brimner. Where did the seven come from? Well, seven was a chosen name, um, probably about 10 years ago or so, maybe longer, I don't remember. Um, I was going through a big change in my life. And I'd always thought that the number seven would make a beautiful name. And I appreciated mm -hmm. that it, as a number, it's got this sort of neutrality to it. Um, and it's not necessarily masculine or feminine, you know, it's this um, neutral sound. And mm -hmm. 
when I was going through this big change, I intuitively felt like I needed a new vibration. I needed a new energy to help me move through this. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be moving at the time. So I decided to start going by seven when I moved to this new town. And um, it really, really made a difference in how I felt within myself and mm-hmm. helped me to feel a little bit more in touch with my masculine side. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like my given name, Marlena, which I really love, and it's a beautiful name, um, was just a little too like watery and soft at the time. So seven was slightly more masculine than that, even though it's neutral in itself. And it helped me tap into a different part of myself that I really, really needed at the time. And Mm. um, since then, it's just kind of stuck and I really appreciate it. But um, clearly the number seven has uh, so much spiritual significance and has played a role in my life from a very young age um, in many different ways. So it has a lot of meaning for me personally. And um, also, you know, when I started learning about hermeticism and about the seven spheres, that meaning became um, even more profound for me. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very deep. And folks, I want to be clear. Um, when you go to her website, it's M-A-R-L-E-N-E-S-E-V-E-N Brimner. And although it's um E-N-E, it is pronounced Marlena. And yeah, and it was interesting because in my um book where I, you know, keep track of everybody on the podcast, I wrote in Marlena. And then when I was um, preparing for the show this morning, I'm like, okay, you got to remember to say Marlene, Marlene, not Mar- Marlena. Who knew I had it right all along? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love those little coincidences that mm-hmm. throws our way. Now, how did you dive deep into and become familiar with hermeticism and alchemy? What was the Hmm. prevailing energy that sent you there? Well, it's kind of a long and winding path, but I think my initial like real introduction to hermetic ideas was when I was studying polarity therapy in my early twenties. And, you know, I'd been interested in natural healing for a long time and decided that I wanted to go deeper with it. And I found a teacher when I was living in Olympia named Dr. Leslie Korn, and she became my one-on-one teacher and mentor in polarity therapy. And I studied for about five years. And this is a kind of a modern modality that was developed, I think around the forties or fifties by Dr. Randolph Stone. And essentially it just works with a person's life force energy to open and release blockages. And it works by the principle of polarity. So positive, neutral, and negative poles Um, using both hands on the body to um, move energy from one pole to another and open blockages that way. So it's largely based in Ayurveda and also in Western osteopathic techniques, but Mm -hmm. a lot of the principles underlying polarity therapy are hermetic. And, you know, Dr. Randall Stone writes about um, the Emerald Tablet of Hermes and he writes about hermetic principles. Um, And one of the main things that I would say that stands out in terms of that work is the principle of correspondence, which is that um, everything within us is reflected within the cosmos and within nature and vice versa as above, so below. Mm -hmm. And um, that we can look outside of ourselves to nature, to the elements, to the cosmos and the planets to understand what's going on within us. And that there's um, celestial signatures within our energy bodies and within our physical bodies. So that was my 
my introduction, I would say to hermetics, but um, mm -hmm. it wasn't for many years after that, that I really became, um, that I became, that I was able to understand it in more depth through years of study and contemplation mm -hmm. and reading old um, alchemical texts and then getting into the original hermetic texts and that sort of thing. And that mm -hmm. developed alongside with my art. Uh, as I was teaching myself how to oil paint, I was studying alchemy and starting mm. to think about um, hermetic philosophy and all of that was being integrated in my creative process. So, oh, that's well, that's quite, that's quite interesting because you were studying one thing, creating with the art and folks go to her website. You will see the art that she has created on the front page. There is a full color spread in the book of her art and you know some black and whites absolutely gorgeous I mean you wouldn't think that this was from a you know self-taught person although I don't know much about art so maybe most artists <laughs> are self-taught I don't know but yeah. absolutely gorgeous but you can feel the energy of the painting I mean as you, you're looking at it as to me, it was like going to a museum and studying a piece of art, okay, and allowing the messages to flow through. So you, you created the book, you created the art. How did you apply the hermetic and alchemical principles to your work as an artist? Well, first, I kind of, I went through a series of alchemical stages, and it was through my self-observation and uh, transformation that I really integrated this information and was able to start writing about it and, um, you know, transmit it outside of myself. But I had been going through a very difficult time in my life. And um, this was when I was teaching myself how to oil paint. And I was also still in school for polarity. And I didn't really know how to help myself. I didn't know what to do. <clears throat> and it uh -huh. seemed like everything that I all the tools in my toolbox were just sort of like useless at that point. Nothing really seemed to work like meditation, receiving body work, um, going on long walks, practicing yoga. All these things would actually trigger anxiety in me rather than help calm me down like they used to. Uh -huh. So I had to find a different way. And at the time I had started reading Carl Jung's um, psychology and alchemy and another book of his called alchemical studies. And he has this very psychological lens on the alchemical art. And so that was my introduction to alchemy. And I began to understand that what I was going through, this difficult period and this darkness that I was dealing with, um, was actually part of a process. And in alchemy, the, the darkening is the, the first step in this stage or the, these four stages of um, spiritual progression and evolution and transformation. Uh -huh. So essentially we begin with the shadow work. We begin with going within and facing those difficult aspects of ourselves that we don't necessarily want to look at um, and going into those kind of uncomfortable places within ourselves. And so I realized that that was happening for me. And rather than fighting it and being afraid of it, I started to embrace it and also started to allow myself to express what I was feeling and these sort of dark um, emotions and things, express them through the creative process. And uh -huh. as this went on over time, I started to see things transform within myself and within the art that I was creating. 
And then over the years, I kind of was able to observe myself going through the four stages of the alchemical process. So from that dark blackening phase to the whitening cleansing phase, and then to this kind of ripening yellowing phase and the final rubedo, which is the completion of the work or the reddening. And, um, you know, I realized going through all of that, that you don't just go through it once, you know, this was sort of a big extreme experience for me, but since then I've gone through this process many times in many different ways and in many different areas of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that first experience was so powerful for me and so transformative. I was a completely different person when I came out on the other end of that. Um, all of the self-doubt and uh, fears and negativity and all of that had sort of been washed away and transformed into something new and mm-hmm. into a new integrated awareness of um, something essential within me that was more eternal and solid. Okay. So. No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just thinking when you were talking about the um, four different stages, and then I, I thought about the planets because you incorporate the planets. Now you incorporate more than four, but you incorporate mm-hmm. the planets into your work. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Saturn was the darkness. So, is there a direct correlation between Step One and Saturn? Yes, definitely. Saturn is very much associated with that first step in the alchemical process, um, which is called the Negredo or the blackening. And Mm -hmm. Saturn in general kind of has a bad rap as being kind of dark and evil. And I think it's really just because we tend to fear those things in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, it's a necessary part of life. You know, the death um, of things is necessary and in order for things to be regenerated. And so that's a very um, core principle of alchemical philosophy is, you know, there is no generation without putrefaction. We need that sort of death and disintegration. And Mm -hmm. it's the same when it comes to our creative process. And it's the same when it comes to our spiritual process as well. Um, That there are necessary times of rest and inertia and going within. And so, yeah, this is the first step in the alchemical process. And that's also... um, why I put Saturn as the first planet in the planetary chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an interesting correlation when it comes to our esoteric anatomy is that Saturn relates to the root chakra, which is at the base of our perineum. So it's our lowermost chakra. And it's what connects us with Earth and with our physicality. And that's the chakra where we deal with issues of um, our sense of safety and security and stability. And mm-hmm. um where we kind of deal with our issues with death and our fear of death and our mortality. So in the same sense that Saturn begins the process of alchemy, it's also the root chakra, which is kind of where we begin when we're working with our energy bodies. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next um, uh, planet, which in the book, um, Jupiter, Mm -hmm. you call that the sovereign storm. Tell us more about that. Well, Jupiter is the planet of expansion and growth and joviality and um, freedom and liberation. So where Saturn is kind of about restriction and limitation and discipline and form, um, Jupiter is really more about breaking through that into new possibilities. So 
this is also the next chakra as we're moving up. So it's the sacral chakra associated with the water element. So if we're looking at Saturn in terms of earth and density, then this is a movement into a more fluid state of being, um, more emotional state of being. So once we kind of deal with these root chakra issues with um, going and facing the shadow and dealing with the darker aspects of ourselves, then we can begin to move into a more, uh, dreamy fluid relationship with reality. And so in the alchemical process, this is kind of like the dissolution where we start to merge with our surroundings. We start to feel how everything outside of us is actually within us and looking at reality in a more symbolic way. So Jupiter is really about that breaking through limitations, um, opening up to new possibilities and tapping into our creative power. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, the third one is Mars, but before we get to Mars, I want to ask a question about what you just said. Um, you talked about the chakras that um, Saturn and Jupiter are in. Now, if we take that and we look at our birth chart, does that correlate to what's going on within our birth chart where Saturn and or Jupiter is placed? Or did that make sense? <laughs> I think so. Certainly. Um, I think using our natal chart is a really excellent way to begin working with these energies. Because mm-hmm. um, really these seven planets, the seven traditional planets are archetypal energies and we can relate to them physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, energetically. There's so many different ways that they express in our lives. Mm-hmm. And looking at our birth chart, we can kind of see how these planetary spheres, which are called the, the fate spheres in the hermetic philosophy, meaning they determine our fate. Um, we see exactly how that fate is determined when we look at our natal chart. But if we look at our natal chart and we say, okay, this is how I am my planet, this planet's here, this planet's there. And so I'm going to be this way and that way. Um, that's a very limiting way to use the chart. And we can look at it rather as a way to overcome those limitations of fate and to transform um, the placements of our planets into their highest, most exalted expression. Mm, okay. So now let's talk about Mars and, and mm. Mars in the book, you say it's the flames of transformation. Yes. Yes. So Mars relates to fire and to passion and also anger and rage. And that can be, you know, both positive and negative, obviously. And Mars is the warrior. So it's that part of us that wants to fight. That's very active and masculine and um, yeah, related to the fire element. So fire of course is absolutely necessary in any sort of alchemical work. Mm-hmm. And the way that I like to think about it is fire is really our intention and our attention. So it's this level of intensity that we apply um, through our intentionality with our practices and through the attention that we give these processes as they're unfolding within us, these transformative processes. So we can work with this sort of alchemy um, in any domain that we really want to. For me, it's painting and writing and sometimes singing, but um, for other people, it could be cooking a meal or raising a child or running a business, um, whatever domain that we feel we're being creative in. Um, but it's that intensity and 
um, the attention of our fire element that's really crucial for applying these alchemical ideas. Mm-hmm. And okay. so Mars has a lot to do with that. Okay. And the sun, the next one? So the sun is related to consciousness. And in alchemy, it's related to the metal gold, which is the most noble and exalted metal of them all. And one of the goals of alchemy is to be able to transmute other metals like lead and tin into gold. And it's one of the ultimate goals of the alchemical work. And essentially this is a um, higher state of consciousness that we realize within ourselves. And in hermeticism, it's called gnosis. And I believe this is kind of the same thing as the philosopher's stone, this Mm -hmm. impenetrable, indestructible, uh, true awareness of what we are and an awareness of our eternal divine nature. And so gold relates to that and it relates to the sun and the sun being that planetary sphere that transmits the light of the divine through its rays. And so it's through the sun that we have contact with that divine aspect of ourselves. So when we're talking about the sun, we're talking about the highest state of consciousness that we can attain within. Okay. So in the book, you talk about the eye of the sun. So is the eye of the sun like the eye of Horus? Yes. Yes. So the eye of Horus, the eye of Ra, um, within our own anatomy, we've got, you know, our third eye. And this uh-huh. is where the the sun and the moon are able to come and conjoin together these polarities of our being, these opposites. And it's the same thing with the left and right eye of Ra, these different aspects of the one um, creator deity and their unification being um, the way that we are able to not only perceive the different levels of reality, but to master reality and project our imaginations in the act of divine creation in the same way that a tomb or the creator would have done. Okay. And then next is um, Venus. Because we always think about Venus as being the love planet, you know, or female energy. Yes. Yes. Venus is typically the female energy planet and associated with the heart chakra. And, um, our sense of compassion and love for ourselves and for others and pleasure and our value systems and the joy of creation, which is actually what I titled the chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, So Venus really loves to beautify things. She loves aesthetic beauty and comfort and expression and freedom. And, um, but Venus also has a dark side and, We see this expressed in Venus as a planet going through her um, synodic cycle where she disappears for a time, which mythologically has been related to her journey through the underworld. And so I think Venus is really a beautiful planet to help us explore those um, underworld sides of ourselves to go and meet with our, our darker sides. And she's also the light that beckons us out of the darkness. You know, Venus, the morning star, pulling us out uh-huh. of the darkness of the night um, and her- heralding the dawn. So Venus has, um, she's quite a dynamic planet. And that's how I present her in the book. And I have a deep appreciation for Venus. Um, she's been a particularly uh, active planet for me in my own process. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, in the book, though, under the um, the Venus, you talk about the love af of Aphrodite and Adontis. Is <laughs> that how is that connected with with Venus? Well, Venus also has to do with um, generation and with um, the regreening of the Earth after the winter. So, with the springtime and the the sign of Taurus, which is her um, home sign, and mm -hmm. so. Adonis being representing like the the death that's necessary before that regeneration and Venus is that new life that's coming back and the verdant growth as it's returning to the earth okay and then next um Mercury yeah Mercury um Mercury is quite dynamic Mercury relates to the throat chakra. So our mm -hmm. self-expression and communication, our ability to listen and receive as well. And um, also our will. And um, yeah, so Mercury as a planet is quick moving and has to do with changeability and fluidity and um, quick wittedness. And we think of like, you know, eloquent conversation and um, quick communication and messages being transmitted between the heavens and between earth. But Mercury is also uh, related to the Greek Hermes and to the uh -huh. Egyptian both and is a very important deity within the Hermetic system. And in fact, Hermeticism itself is named after Hermes. So this is the God of wisdom and of alchemy and magic. And it's said that Thoth or Hermes Trismegistus transmitted these ideas to humanity and is an aspect of the divine mind. So when we're working with Mercury, we need to remember that there's this kind of um, long history going back into ancient Egypt of the deity Thoth that relates to this archetype. And in essence, I think of Mercury in terms of the mind and the power of the mind to connect with all things. And this is a really important idea in hermeticism that all things mm -hmm. are connected through a field of energy and that through the divine mind, we can not only connect with things outside of ourselves, um, but we can influence things outside of ourselves as well through our imagination. So I think that's, yeah, that's something that I talk about in the chapter in Mercury. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that you said through our imagination, because so many people think that, first of all, spirituality, you're learning about in any of this has to be difficult. You have to go through, you know, a, a thousand year process and, you know, understand everything. And we tend as humans to forget about the imagination, thinking outside of our self-imposed boundaries. How important is it for us to do that? I think it's crucial. I think the imagination is one of the most important faculties that we have. And um, I always like to reference Charles Baudelaire, who said that the imagination is the queen of all the faculties. And I completely agree because I think that it not only connects us with all things, but it allows us to transmute and playfully create within this reality that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can open and liberate our imagination, the more potential we have to live, you know, the life that we want to live and to be free to create um, our life in the way that is going to 
help us to grow and evolve and also to imagine the world in a way that we want it to be, you know, and Mm -hmm. collectively, I think the more people that are able to uh, refine and really work with their imagination, the more we'll be able to envision and create systems and, um, you know, systems that are inclusive and Mm -hmm. holistic and um, beneficial for all beings. Yeah. Yeah. Bring great depth and and knowledge. Um, And then last but not least, the moon, one of my favorites, (laughs) being a moon child. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So the moon, um, the moon relates to the third eye and the moon is a, you know, it's a reflective planet. It reflects the light of the sun. It doesn't transmit its own light. So everything through the moon is through reflection. And this relates to our unconscious because we can't really directly see our unconscious, but through reflection and through these different methods, we can access it. And one of the main ways that we do that is through dreams. So I like to think about the moon in terms of the dream world and in terms of things that are unseen and hidden that take a little bit of effort to, to glimpse. And, uh-huh. and um, yeah, a little bit of self-reflection and going deeper. And there's also a darkness to the moon, you know, the new moon or the dark moon. And uh-huh going into that darkness again is one of the necessary aspects of this kind of work and the spiritual work and, you know, being willing to sit within uncomfortable places. And, um, another thing, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say (laughs) another thing about the moon and the third eye is that it has to do with how we project our imagination outward and the power of the third eye to do that. So tapping, yes, tapping into um, the alignment of our energy. So they're rising up through the spinal column, rising up through the chakras. When things are all in alignment and balanced, then we can raise that energy up into the third eye where the union between the sun and the moon takes place. And through this union, that's where our true creative power comes into play. And we can imagine things the way that we would like them to be. And through our depth of emotion and feeling, we can also help to implant these like seeds into the unconscious. And um, it's through the lunar capacity that this is possible. Mm. Now, how important is it that one follow the phases of the moon as they are growing through their spiritual work? I think it's a beautiful way to to work with alchemy and to work with magic to consider when the moon is waxing and when it's waning and its different phases is um, being optimal for different types of work. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to begin with any sort of magical endeavors. I think it's very important. And, you know, the, the lunar sphere is the first sphere that we encounter as we're moving outward from the earth. So Uh it's sort of like the gateway to all the other spheres as well. So I think lunar magic is kind of um, very accessible and important to begin with. 
Yeah. And, you know, I found, um, especially on the nights of the full moon, I'm just going out and looking up at the moon and spreading my arms out and looking up and Mm -hmm. like opening the chest to allow, you know, communication, if you will, between my heart chakra and the moon. And you walk away with such a wonderful grounded feeling, you know, and you would think, oh, the moon, you know, maybe airy fairy, but no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least it wasn't for me. (laughs) Did you get did you get to do that with this last full moon in Gemini? Um, doing it now. Yes. Yes. And it was interesting for me because um, my energy being um, a Cancer mm-hmm. with Leo rising and Capricorn moon and Gemini doesn't always match. But mm-hmm. it was interesting what it brought out for me to take a look at. Yeah. Things that I didn't want to really take a look at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that I thought I was beyond it. It's just that I've been been ignoring it for 67 years. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's like, you know, go away. But it's but it's amazing how the energy allowed or forced, I should say, me to take a look at it. Now I could decide to, you know, pick it up and move with it or let it go because we have free will. But Mm -hmm. it was just interesting what new came into my psyche for me to sit with seriously. Yes, yes, I feel that. I, I think with the Mars retrograde and Mars conjunct the moon, like I was feeling pretty like amped up and a little bit reactive in a way that Uh I'm normally reactive. Uh Um, So that was interesting to note, just kind of very fiery and it's settled down since the full moon passed. But yeah, those few days right around the full moon, I was just very amped up. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, what's going on here? But you know, Mm -hmm. I've learned at least to go with the flow and try not to piss too many people off. I'm figuring (laughs) out what I'm doing. Sometimes it works and sometimes not. Life yeah. is always an experience for me, an experiment and experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but in your book, and, and this is really, um, I'd like some more clarification on this. In the book, you yeah. talk about the tormentors, the 12 tormentors and the 10 powers. So first oh, yeah. talk about the tormentors and how they truly torment us. <laughs> and then the powers and how we can gain knowledge and power through paying attention to the 10 virtues. Yeah, well, the 12 tormentors are basically just vices that we all succumb to. So things like, I think they start off with ignorance, and then there's lust and greed and envy and um, intemperance, um, intemperance, deceit, envy, treachery, (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, treachery. Yeah. And I think like desire for wealth or something like that might be one of them. Um, Um, let me see if I can get to the book. Rashness. Yes. I'm 129. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Um, so yeah, these are just essentially vices that we all have to deal with. And the fact uh that there are 12 may or may not relate to the 12 signs of the Zodiac, um, in the Hermetica, there's no real correlation that matches them up with the signs, but Uh essentially they are acting upon us through the Zodiac or the sphere of the fixed stars. So, yeah, so grief, intemperance, lust, injustice, um, anger, rashness, malice, these um, vices are sort of, if we're going about life unconsciously and we're not doing any work to sort of progress or overcome these things, then yeah, we're going to be subject to these vices, right? And Uh some of them may affect us more at different points. 
but the idea is that we become aware of them and then we can access the 10 powers to help us overcome those vices. And so the Uh 10 powers uh, begin with knowledge of God and then move through joy, temperance, perseverance, justice, generosity, truth, and finally the good, the life, and the light. And the good, the life, and the light are also things, um, concepts that are applied to God or the source, um, uh-huh. you know, referring to the purity of that source energy. Uh-huh. And, um, essentially, when we're looking at these 12 and the 10, it really comes down to the root of all vices, which is ignorance, and the root of all the powers, which is knowledge of God. So when we say knowledge of God, we also mean knowledge of self. And so in the hermetic idea, um, hermetic philosophy and theology, um, God exists within the mind and the soul of every human being. And so we get mm-hmm. in touch with that ultimate divine source of energy within ourselves. And through that gnosis and that self-knowledge of what we actually are um, as co-creators with the divine then we can overcome these vices and also rise up through these planetary spheres into our highest, most exalted expression of who we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, what does it mean to live a truly hermetic lifestyle? Explain what it is and you know, how can we begin to live that if that's our choice? Well, I think some of the key um, components to a hermetic lifestyle um, would be moderation for one, mm-hmm. um, a life of that allows space and time for contemplation. You know, I know we're all busy and we've got a lot going on and a lot of people have families and jobs and things, but creating space for solitude and contemplation, I think is really key. Uh, however we can do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, a devotional, um, approach to, to life and to reality and to our interactions with other people and kind of being able to look at the bigger picture and see things in a holistic way, you know, always holding within us this idea of correspondence that, um, as above, so below as within, so without. So if Mm -hmm. we're seeing things we don't like, or we're, we're feeling really reactive to something like rather than, um, you know, accepting that, okay, that's all external. That's not me. We look within ourselves and we, um, we ask ourselves how those things exist within us. And then it helps us to have compassion and empathy for all of life. And a hermetic lifestyle is really, uh, one that looks at those interconnections between all things and the relationships between all things. Do you think that we as a whole of society could ever get back to that type of lifestyle? I mean, if you look at what's going on, at least in the United States with the political systems and all of the um, polarity and disparity and everything, do you think that we could ever get back to that type of lifestyle? Well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Looking at things um, in that respect, it's everything is so polarized right now. And Mm -hmm. to me, when things are so extremely polarized, it seems like the natural um, progression from that would be uh, for things to come to a balance, you know, so to reach this extreme and then to come back to a place of balance and then perhaps to go to another extreme, but this 
continual ebb and flow of energy. And we just happen to be at this one extreme um, point within that cycle. Mm-hmm. So understanding that things will balance out. Um, we don't know what that will bring, but uh, I do think that things will change. And I think it's very possible that people could move into a less polarized way of being because we've um, observed how things have played out when things are so divided. And yeah. It has not gone well. No, but unfortunately, there's so many people that are stuck um, within that energy. And, you know, what brings it to my mind is on the political stage in Georgia recently with the two um, black male politicians running for government. I mean, it was one that was so, so not equipped to even teach kindergarten, much less be a senator. Mm-hmm. And people backed it because it was because of a certain party, a certain tribe, if you will, as mm-hmm. opposed to looking outside of the tribe and what's really good for people overall. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I don't know, for me, it's a little bit frightening that people have lost the ability to critically think. Yes. And that they're so easily influenced and swayed. But... Yeah. By, by BS, bullshit, not the belief system. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I guess it is their belief system, but it's a bullshit belief system, in my opinion, folks. So don't send me yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, you, um, do you think that you have to be, if you wanted to be initiated into the hermetic life, can it be self-initiation or do you have to go someplace and study with a master? I think that the hermetic path really is about self-initiation. I think mm-hmm. people have worked in groups and, you know, there's all kinds of different organizations you can go to for hermetic um, initiation and training and, and whatnot. But when we're talking about hermetic, the word itself implies solitary. And Mm. um, a lot of the initiation that happens is happening within um, through contemplation, through reading these hermetic writings and teachings, um, through reflection and through personal experience. And someone else, you know, could guide you through that potentially, but I don't think it's ever a good idea to put our um, spiritual well-being and sense of progress and truth into someone else's hands, you know? Thank and, you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, re- the reason why I say that I'm um, way back when, um, when I first came to California a zillion years ago, um, I took a course, um, from a well-known intuitive in the area, not because so much I wanted the information from the course, but I wanted to learn how to teach a class. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um went to this person and initially, you know, um things were good and I could, you know, ascertain how to, you know, set up structure a class and all of that. And then the information and the hate that was spewed from this person I was like, oh my God, how can you even consider yourself to, you know, be spiritual yeah. at all? So taught me good lessons. You know, I got yes. my money's worth. Uh, but <laughs> be careful with who you entrust your soul to. And just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Very true. Yes. And, you know, sometimes people teach by example, and that can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. 
No, well, it's great because I mean, you know, you, just like looking at the shadow and the light is important to look at, you know, the darkness and the light of teaching and learning mm -hmm. and, you know, where you want to be. Now, my last question before you, before I ask about your website, and I can't say this guy's last name, Hermes, it starts with P-R-I-S. How do you say that? Trismegistus. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, his belief system factor into your life, <laughs> your relationship. Oh, uh, well, Hermes yeah, being, being the um, eponymous founder of the Hermetic teachings plays a huge role in my spiritual practice. And I feel like I, I invoke Hermes more than any other deity or God. And um, also, you know, find it of crucial importance to continually work with the throat chakra related to Mercury and Thoth and Hermes. And to open that up and allow it to be uh, free to express what it wants to express. So, mm -hmm. um, calling upon Hermes, um, working with Mercury as a planet, these are very important in my own personal practice. Mm -hmm. As a writer and as a creator of images, um, we think of Thoth and Hermes in terms of the mind, but also in terms of um, the magic of illusion or the creation of images and the use of the imagination and also the power of the word and of thought. So continually refining and purifying um, both my internal thinking and also the way that I express myself and uh, working with Hermes is, is how I accomplish that. Okay, great. Now, when we go to your website, Marlena Seven Bremner, and it's M-A-R-L-E-N-E, -E, remember that folks, um, what are we gonna find there? Well, uh, you'll find information about the book and how you can order it. You'll also find um, a preview of my upcoming book, which is being released in July of 2023. And that one follows on the heels of the first book, but it goes a little deeper into art and alchemy. So it's okay. called The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy. And you can pre-order it. Uh, there's a link on the website. And you'll also find a gallery of my paintings and um, prints for sale of all of my work or most of it mm -hmm. anyway, and other resources as well. I think I've got a blog, which I have not updated in forever and mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, links to my Patreon. I've got a Patreon that you can subscribe to with various tiers with different rewards. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you know, have your publicist send me a copy of the book. We'll have you on for your next book that's coming out. Um, our time is over and I really appreciate you and your energy today. What pearl of wisdom would you like to leave with the audience today? Mm, I would say to trust in your imagination and to give it time to daydream and to be free and um, see where that leads you great absolutely wonderful well thank you for being with me today and the audience thank you for being with us i truly honor and appreciate everybody's time and attention and remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important consider making the mathematical choice of discovering hermetic philosophy and creative alchemy abundant blessings light and love to all agape